Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM in the AM. Rabbi Simon Taylor was on. We talked about Mishnayomi. He had a lot to say about the incredible collaboration between the OU and other organizations, and of course, between the OU and Art School. Rabbi Simon Taylor, recent guest on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, um, I've been calling it the Mishnayomi Revolution. And I did promise, oh, and I should record this first spot. Uh, maybe do it in a, uh, in a little bit of a, a little bit of a voice note here. Uh, because I did uh, tell um, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz, at Art Scroll, that when I announce on the air that I am doing Mishnah Yomit with my son Gavriel, uh, I would make sure to send them a recording of it. So there it is. The news is out of the bag in terms of what's happening here at JM and the AM and the Siegel family. Uh, Gavriel Siegel and I have started Mishnah Yomit, and we are aboard as of now and look forward to Bezrat Hashem completing it, uh, the entire five-year cycle. Uh, it is a, um, it is a, a gargantuan a mountain to climb, but when you're doing it at the rate of uh, two missions per day, it certainly uh, uh, makes it a lot easier. Uh, our friends at Art Scroll had made us uh, aware of this incredible revolution. You may recall that they have partnered with the OU and with Kihem Chayenu, uh, who sponsored free Mishnayis given out to over 10,000 people. Uh, 20,000 Mishnayomi calendars have been distributed. Um, uh, our friends at the OU have taken a major, major role. We'll speak to uh, Rabbi Simon Taylor in a second. Uh, a major role in this whole Mishnah Yomi uh, uh, um, um, a pursuit uh, with their All Mishnah app and with so many other aspects to this project. And, um, and uh, the Jaffa family, they have been part of this uh, by sponsoring the calendar that I mentioned, that Art Scroll had been uh, distributing and continues to distribute. So we are talking about a real Mishnayomi revolution. And what makes this unique is it seems that this is going across the board uh, in terms of no matter what people's background might be uh, uh, regarding Jewish education uh, and what and what experience they may have had in Jewish education. And on top of that, it's going across the board age-wise because adults and children, and I'm talking about children who are young children in our community, have hopped on to this Mishnayomi bandwagon. It's pretty amazing. Simon Taylor, Rabbi Simon Taylor, is with us live via telephone. He is National Director at the Orthodox Union's Community Projects and Partnerships, and he is with us to celebrate Mishnayomi here at JM in the AM. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's great to be on the show, and awesome to hear your introduction. I have family listening from England, so yes, you do have listeners from across the globe. <laughs> Phenomenal. I love that, and I thank them very much for tuning in. Can you, can you get us to the beginning of this revolution? I get it that it'd be at the end of December, a new Mishnayomi cycle began, and I know that it's two Mishnas per day. Uh, but still, there have been a lot of Mishnayomi cycles in modern Jewish history, and this one seems to have taken on a life of its own. Take us back a few weeks and explain what you saw from your vantage point about the enthusiasm to study Mishnayis. Sure. So I think everybody knows about the excitement that goes behind the Dafayomi, the huge siyumim, the shiurim across communities, how much people get into that and grow from the learning with the Dafayomi. 
And Mishnah Yomi, like you said, has never really picked up and taken off in the same, in the same way. And so the folks at Art Scroll and uh, us at the OU and many others said, you know what, this time let's put in an extra push. Let's try and get this to take off. And what we're here to talk about today is, you know, we said we think there's a special opportunity for youngsters, for kids, for yeshiva day school students to get into this Mishnah Yomi cycle and to try and make this something big for them. And uh, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> a lot of times initiatives are brought to schools and to kids and to teachers and principals, and, you know, they, they, they do get some attention, but this one was different. Wouldn't you say the reaction to this was just off the charts? It was off the charts, and the question is, how did we get there? So we sat around the table and we said, you know what, this must be an opportunity for kids. We need to figure out a strategy. How are we going to turn this into something big? And we realized that the key to turning this into a big movement was the kids themselves. Right. So luckily, there's one fantastic kid, Charlie Brader, who we got to know through the All Duff app. He connected with the All Duff app, started learning through the app, started even giving, at just 13 years old, a Duff Yomi share. <laughs> and before the Mission Yomi cycle began, he reached out to us and said, I want to help. And so we realized that Finding more kids like Charlie who are excited about learning, they would be able to get their friends excited about learning. So we came up with a system of appointing ambassadors, all Mishnah Junior ambassadors, uh, in eight day schools across the country. Um, Nachum, you'll know them all. <laughs> uh, in, your, in your neck of the woods, we've got Yeshivat Noam, uh, Yavna, Ha'atid, BPY, all, all the big names. Mm-hmm. And we found ambassadors fantastic, young, excited ambassadors in each middle school. And we said to ourselves, you know what, maybe these kids will find a few hundred of their friends to learn, and it will be something nice. We did something nice for Mishnayomi. And as it began, the excitement grew, and the competition between schools grew, and we could never have imagined that these kids would be able to sign up essentially their entire schools. We've been blown away by the power of the young people, the movement they've created, the amount of Torah learning that's happening because of them. And right now, in those schools I mentioned, you're talking about over 80% of the middle school kids on their own choosing to learn two Mishnayas every single day. Unbelievable. The whole thing is unbelievable because, again, it's not principal or teacher, you know, it's not faculty-driven. Uh, it is a project that the kids, as you just described, have taken upon themselves. And uh, again, uh, I mean, we're talking about Torah study here, not in any way, God forbid, to publicly degrade Torah study. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. But but children in general don't always gravitate to it. Here it seems like these ambassadors and the people that are pushing it are uh, have made it cool, so to speak, to take on a commitment to study two Mishnayas per day. Just that aspect of it must shock you. It's completely shocking. You know, I'll be honest, we've obviously given them some incentives along the way. Our friends at Art Scroll, uh, we sent the Art Scroll Schottenstein Mishnayas to every kid. We gave the ambassadors some cool hoodies. Uh, we raffle off prizes, all kinds of things we can do uh, to keep them incentivized. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, we have an Art Scroll calendar, which is coming out shortly to be sent to each one right. of the students involved. But at the end of the day, the kids have made it cool. Kids 
want to learn Mishnayas now. This has become the thing to do. And just like there's a community which has been built around sports or computer games or music, now there's an even bigger one which has been built around learning Torah and studying two Mishnayas a day. And as I said to you before we got on the show, this is my biggest nachas right now. Yeah, I, I can't quite believe what's happening. Can only imagine. I said earlier that uh, you know we and my family have taken on the commitment, my son and I, and I have never in all the years, the decades that I'm on the air, I've always hesitated to announce of you know any type of commitment like this that we've taken on because God forbid that commitment could end at some point if you you know if you if you uh, if you if you you know I mean things happen and and a lot of people start doing things and start taking on projects and and unfortunately they you know it, it doesn't go for the entire length so I always hesitate to do it in this case. Uh, we felt we should announce it. In this case, we felt the pressure. We felt the enthusiasm from uh, all the kids in the community. We felt it was just something that so many people are doing that we had to hop aboard. So imagine that. People, I'm, I'm, I'm proof. I'm proof to it. People who would never have you know, made the commitment, the solid, rock, concrete commitment, are now going ahead and doing so. And by the way, it extends way beyond the kids. I have to assume that many, many parents and adults, because of these kids, are now taking it on, right? Absolutely. So... As you said, I'm learning with my own son as well, yeah. and the more I'm out and about, I'm hearing the same thing, that parents and even grandparents are learning, learning with their children. It's such a special thing uh, to connect generations through a Torah learning. And uh, I, I did a bit of a road show myself. I went to the schools in New Jersey. I visited the schools in the five towns. I even went down to Boca on Sunday. Wow. And walking the corridors and hearing the stories from the principals and from the kids themselves, about who they're learning with, how they're learning, and about how it's affected their lives, and was something that they never would have even dreamt of just a few weeks ago on December 25th when all this started. It's, you know, it's, it's remarkable. By the way, we should point out, that, and this is, of course, not a knock on any of the people who are doing Dafyomi, Kolakavo to all of them who are doing it, and certainly those who are giving Shiurim, whether it's Charlie or anybody else, there are so many people around the world giving Shiurim, but there, I mean, there's a reality, and the reality is that Dafyomi takes time. It could take 15 minutes, it could take 15 minutes, it could take two hours. Uh, the Mishnah Yomi, I think one of the attractions is that, generally speaking, we're talking about a pretty reasonable average amount of time spent every day. Wouldn't you say that's part of it? It's absolutely. The kids are messaging to their friends and saying, this is so easy, it's just five minutes a day. Okay, some people are doing more. Uh, you know, Charlie Shear that you mentioned, I've got to give so much credit to Charlie. In fact, Asha Tessa, who's really our main staff member uh, from the All Mishnah team who's behind this revolution, he's been working so hard each and every day to make this happen, sent me the stats. Uh, over 2,000 listeners Charlie's got on his share. This is a, an eighth grader, <laughs> right, from Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, he just sent me, you know, the stats from his Spotify. Over 2,000 listeners he's got on his share. It's, it's, it's just incredible. Just amazing. Rabbi Simon Taylor is with us uh, via telephone as we discuss the Mishnah Yomi revolution. Again, for people who are not familiar, uh, Shisha Sidre Mishnah, the uh, the six ma massive sections of Mishnayis, uh, you divide them up into two Mishnahs per day, and in five years, in five years, one can complete uh, the entire Shisha Sidre Mishnah, make a legitimate siyum on the entire Mishnayis just by studying two per day. If you're not familiar with any of this, feel free to consult with your local rabbi, feel free to consult with people like Rabbi Simon Taylor, and feel free to consult with the All Mishnah app. Explain to people how to obtain the All Mishnah app and what the All Mishnah app is all about. 
Rabbi Taylor? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm here. I wanted to share with you uh, a quick story which happened just yesterday morning. You know, I've had the privilege to work with youth and young kids for about 15 years now. And what happened to me yesterday is a sign about the success of this program that never happened to me before. So we woke up, and in our ambassador WhatsApp chat, which is how we communicate with the ambassadors, the kids posted a five-and-a-half-minute thank-you video where all the All Mishnah Junior ambassadors came on the video, each one, one at a time, said who they are, which school they're from, and spoke about how much they'd gained from the program and really thanking us for bringing the whole thing to their attention and, of course, continuing to incentivize them with all the great prizes. And no one asked them to make this video. And the insights which they shared, the community which they spoke about that has been built, and the way in which these two Mishnahites a day is affecting them, it, it, it was just remarkable. You know, I shared this with some of my colleagues at the Orthodox Union, with the president, with the EVP, and the amount of nachos that they got uh, from this program uh, is probably more nachos than they have from any other program going on right now. Oh, I can only imagine. Let's go back for a second to the app. How do people access the All Mishnah app, and uh, what will they discover there? What will they have there to help them out? Right, so, you know, it all started with the All Duff app, went on to the All Parsha app, and then the latest is the All Mishnah app, and you can go to the App Store. It's very easy to download it. You sign up for an account, and it's like magic. Two clicks of a button, and every day, super simple, you can listen to the Magid um, Shear of your choice, uh, two Mishnayas, all different types of styles. But the new feature which we've added on this app, which we haven't got on the other apps, is a kids section. Uh, the All Mishnah Junior section. Um, we only have a couple of choices right now. We're hoping to ramp it up as f- uh, future Masechtas uh, get closer. And uh, those Shurim are geared specifically uh, for younger people uh, to enjoy and the explanations and the style. And uh, many of the students uh, around the country right now are learning Mishnayas through these uh, special Shurim um, from uh, Rabbi Resnick, uh, Rabbi Zachariah Resnick, who's in Israel, who's a star across the apps, and also Rabbi Rose Leminski, um, who's uh, a Rebbe in Teaneck, uh, who's also one of our All Mishnah Junior Rebbeim um, and uh, teachers. And the kids are, again, some are learning through the app, and some are learning through their own shiurim, whatever works for them. And uh, the app is, is super simple. I don't know, Nachum, if you heard about the story from a scene we made uh, just a couple of months back. No, tell me. So... I happen to be out at a meal uh, in my community here in uh, Cedarhurst in the Five Towns. And one of my friends said, you know, the Alduff app has changed my life. It's so simple, and I'm a doctor. And thanks to the app, I'm now able to learn Torah each and every day. And it's, it's been remarkable what it's done. And he said, but not only that, he said, I have a grandfather who's a Holocaust survivor. And he loves learning the dust, but because he can't get out of the house, he's never been able to go to a shir or listen to a magid shir for many years. Wow. So I told him, you know, you can do it by getting the Alduff app. And so he said, you know, he doesn't have an iPhone, he's not tech savvy, but he showed him, he downloaded the app for him, and he showed him just two clicks of a button, you can essentially be in that shir. And that's what he did. And this incredible Holocaust survivor, Mr. Rubin, uh, finished a Masechta with the Alduff app, was able to do it. It was 
revolutionary for him. It, it was a huge upgrade from him learning it on his own. And we brought the Uldaf team to him at his shul, the young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst, and we made a seum, and it was a very, very moving occasion. <laughs> I can only imagine. must have been amazing. Uh, we mentioned, by the way, Rabbi Taylor, that obviously there's a partnership with Art Scroll, but there are other organizations. I said Kihem Chayenu. I know that they're aboard, and they are uh, affiliated with the Aguda. It must be a heartwarming feeling seeing this achdus, seeing this brotherhood, so to speak, uh, being formed by different groups in the Jewish world. I think that that's one of the things we should emphasize, is that this Mishnah Yomi is bringing a lot of people together. Absolutely. I've never worked hand-in-hand with ArtScroll. I've never worked hand-in-hand with the Aguda. To be honest, I didn't imagine it happening. But it's happening, and it's going really, really well. Uh, the Aguda came down, uh, you know, representative from Kihem Chayen, who came to Boca with me to see the Cats Hillel uh, day school kids. And uh, ArtScroll has been a phenomenal partner. And, uh, yeah, I think new things are happening. And, yes, it's great what we're doing with uh, Mission Yomi right now, but through these partnerships that have been forged over this particular initiative, uh, you know, who knows what else we can do for the Jewish people, and it's uh, yeah, a phenomenal point. Yeah, it's no question about it. The, uh, the potential is endless. Well, everybody out there, it's very simple. As I said earlier, join a Mishnah Yomi like we did. Uh, two Mishnahs per day. Uh, the All Mishnah app is an amazing resource. Kudos to the OU and to Rabbi Simon Taylor. Uh, take pride in the fact that so many of our schools... Uh, both Yeshiva League schools and obviously other Yeshivas and schools as well are all together in this and are participating on a daily basis in the study of Mishnayis, which is just amazing. And a big salute to our friends at Artscroll who have given out over 11,000 free Mishnayis. They're going to be doing uh, a, more of the free Mishnayis um, uh, program for the next volume of Mishnah. And um, and their calendars, over 20,000 calendars are being produced uh, and being given away. That's the Jaffa family calendar. And they are just completely on board and so enthusiastic about this entire um, uh, Mishnah Yomi program. You can go to artscroll.com slash Mishnah Yomi. It's M-I-S-H-N-A-H-Y-O-M-I. That's Mishnah with an H. Artscroll.com slash Mishnah Yomi uh, for information about what they are doing. And uh, certainly go to the... Um, uh, to the App Store and get the uh, uh, the All Mishnah app as soon as possible uh, so that you could join. By the way, uh, Rabbi Taylor, we should mention, and tell me if I have this right. I'm just a rookie at this, so tell me if I have this right. I believe it's this Shabbos that there's actually a conclusion of a Masechta and a start of another Masechta. Is that this Shabbos? That's correct. We're coming to the conclusion of Brachos. And uh, we've got to step things up because Peah is starting, and Peah is a little bit more difficult. So we're coming up with creative ways right now to keep all of the students excited about the next Masechta. Uh, you know, we do not want this to die after a month. Uh, we have a lot of momentum right now. It's only growing. And as the Masechtas get a little bit more technical, a little bit more intense, um, we've got to be more and more creative to keep everyone excited. Uh, and if you go to that website that we just mentioned, the excitement, uh, it helps you uh, get excited about the program. The uh, uh, Mishnaomi calendar for Seder's Ryan is available for download at artscroll.com slash Mishnaomi. The full six-year Mishnaomi calendar is available for download as well. And a whole bunch of great offers in terms of ordering Mishnayas and participating in the Mishnayomi project is there as well. So go to that website, everybody, artscroll.com slash Mishnayomi, Mishnah with an H and participate 
in this incredible program. Rabbi Simon Taylor, he is the National Director of the Orthodox Union's Community Projects and Partnerships. I thank you for bringing this to our attention, and I hope that a lot more children and adults after this conversation will feel the need to hop aboard the Mishnayomi Revolution, as I call it. Uh, and uh, call it a vote to everything you've done, and I just hope you go, you're able to continue to uh, to grow this group as fast as possible. Thank you so much, Nachum. Really appreciate you highlighting this on the show, and you're absolutely right. Anyone who hasn't started, it's easy, it's fulfilling. Just think what you can accomplish. Don't wait. And just in case you need that extra help, the prizes are also phenomenal, <laughs> so go for it. It's all about the swag, and the swag, I'm told, in this case is really good. Uh, thank, oh, yeah. thank you so much for joining us this morning. A pleasure. Rabbi Simon Taylor, everybody. Mish Naomi. It is hard to believe that the two mission per day program has taken on a life of its own and it's attracting adults and children in our community to just hop aboard and do this for five, ten minutes a day. It's pretty remarkable, frankly. Uh, kudos to um, uh, the OU. Kudos to Kihem Chayenu and the Aguda. Uh, kudos to Art Scroll and artscroll.com who are uh, doing everything in their power uh, to encourage people to be part of of this unique program. And thanks to all of you for tuning into this conversation about uh, Mishnah Yomi on JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Simon Taylor, a special guest from the UAE, Ibrahim Dawood Nonu, joined us recently to talk about an interesting initiative about a Jewish cemetery in Bahrain. Here's that conversation on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, well, I got to thank uh, Ariella Steinreich, and I want to thank her because uh, she has again alerted us to a very interesting story from uh, from around the world, <laughs> from completely halfway around the world compared to where we are. Uh, the Association of Gulf Jewish Communities has launched a project to renew and maintain the Jewish cemetery in Bahrain for perpetuity. The cemetery is more than 100 years old. It's currently the only operational one in the Gulf Jewish communities. While the community is considered the most established in the area, it is still small in size, and the aim with this new project is to create a perpetual fund to maintain the cemetery for generations to come. This initiative kicked off onto Bishvat on Monday, and uh, the um, president of the Association of Gulf Jewish Communities, Ebrahim Dawood Nanu is with us live via telephone. He is the president of the Bahrain Jewish community as well. Uh, Mr. President, shalom, shalom. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Shalom, Nahab, shalom. Uh, I'm, I'm really, it's really wonderful to be here with you today. And I'm very excited to be, to be able to uh, talk to you. Well, Thank I, you. I appreciate that very much, and it's great to have you on. I guess we need a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, in, 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 order oh. for, in order for there to be a cemetery, a Jewish cemetery that's more than 100 years old in any part of the world, one has to suspect that there was an active Jewish community in the, that uh, part of the world. So tell us about uh, the area that you're in, Bahrain, from years ago. Absolutely, Nachum, absolutely. Our history is very rich. It started in the uh, 1890s. Uh, uh, Jews began to filter into Bahrain from Iraq because Bahrain was a trading post in those days between Europe and India. Uh, they were jobs on offer here. So the Jewish traders started coming in. And uh, in about the 1920s, 1930s, at the peak, we had about 800 Jews in, uh, in the capital, Manama. 
uh, and uh, of course, uh, uh, having so many Jews here uh, meant that uh, we needed a synagogue, and that's exactly what Shimon Cohen did. He set up a synagogue for the Jewish people, uh, and that synagogue is the one which we today are uh, utilizing. Uh, and it's uh, uh, thanks to the AGJC for developing Jewish life in the area uh, that we can honestly say uh, that the Jews uh, in the Gulf today have a home because they can call on the support of any Jewish community that's around the area for anything that they need, especially things like kosher food, uh, Jewish books. Uh, and uh, basically, we have all the uh, uh, facilities to be able to enhance Jewish life. We even have a, a dating website that's <laughs> operational, you know, and that's to attract, to attract the uh, young, the, the singles who are coming to the Gulf, and hopefully they, they decide to like it so much that the, they, they'll be happy to stay here. So that, that's something wonderful as well. And of course, we've got the only operational cemetery uh, and the operational synagogue here in, in the Gulf, and the only indigenous uh, community that, that's in the Gulf. Unfortunately, our numbers today are very, very small. Uh, we number around about 50 Jews, and, uh, uh, and, and that number is also comprised of uh, quite a lot of old people. Uh, and we're really hoping that we see youngsters come to uh, Bahrain and the Gulf. But of course, we are traditional, uh, we are Sephardic Jews, uh, and we're Orthodox. So we uh, follow what our parents followed, what our grandparents followed, uh, and uh, that for us is very important. The president of the Association of Gulf Jewish Communities, Ebrahim Dawood Nunu, is with us live via telephone. He's president of the Bahrain Jewish Community. So you mentioned 800 Jews. Um, when, it, when it was active, were there multiple synagogues? When it was active, was there such a thing as a Jewish school? When it was active, were there you know, what, we would, what we would call you know, Jewish amenities at, at some point in the last 100 years? That's a great question, uh, Nachum, great question. Uh, my father uh, was taught to uh, read Hebrew and read the Hebrew books by the rabbi uh, Shimon Cohen, who actually set up the synagogue in Bahrain in 1935. Wow. Uh, and he, he, t he told me that it wasn't only him who was taught. It was uh, another, uh, like the whole family were, were uh, inducted into being able to, they were taught how to pray properly. They were taught how to read Hebrew. So they never, they never forget. They never forgot those roots. Uh, and of course, we had uh, the, the Jewish cemetery, this Jewish synagogue in Manama itself, because all the Jews had lived in that area. They were all in, in a very, very small location. You could say like a, 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 a kilometer, a square kilometer location is where all the Jews lived. So the, the, the synagogue was at the heart of that location. And so they didn't really need any other uh, synagogue uh, to go around. But I was, uh, and they remember uh, the time when, like, at the festivals, they used to walk down the streets with the Torah, they used to mix with the locals, 
it was uh, it was a very very pleasant time for all of them uh, in the 1930s and 1940s. Very interesting. Um, we you know, we spent some time in the UAE just over a year ago, as you know, and. Um, uh, we had heard so much about Bahrain, we didn't make it over there. Uh, but it would seem, even with Jewish life being revitalized in different areas of that part of the world, it would seem the way you're describing it that Bahrain is really the Jewish capital of the Gulf. Would that be, b- based on longevity and based on activity today, would that be accurate? Uh, accurate on uh, based on the culture as well, because... Uh, the, 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 the Jews that came to Bahrain lived with the locals uh, in a very neighborly way, uh, and they grew up with them. So a, a lot of the locals here come and give me stories about how, and I've got to tell you this, I mean, Yom Kippur is the most important day in, in our uh, traditions, and Yom Kippur is so important that uh, the families here don't switch on a light or, or anything like that. They they, they uh, stick to it in a very strict way. Now, the Bahraini families have told me that in their day, they used to send the kids <laughs> to the Jewish homes to actually switch on the light or switch it off for them without talking to them, just <laughs> going in there and doing that kind of work for them. So there was that kind of, that kind of life there at the time. So the, the, the Jews were very well, well known here. Uh, in Bahrain, and the families knew them very well. Oh. So uh, they grew up together. That's that, that's the difference. Pretty amazing. Um, the uh, Was there a specific ceremony to announce this uh, uh, initiative on Tu Bishvat to, um, to maintain the cemetery in Bahrain? Was, it, uh, w- was there anything official that happened, or it's simply you used the Jewish holiday of Tu Bishvat to make the announcement? Uh, we we use the Jewish holiday of Tushvat, and uh, this Sunday I'm going to be planting a tree, the first tree in the in the in the cemetery, uh, and oh, wow. uh, it's to perpetuate now Jewish life uh, in the Gulf. Uh, and uh, honestly, it's a lovely way of um, uh, keeping uh, keeping the Jewish cemetery um, looked after. Uh, of course, you know uh, we we weren't a hundred percent sure how the community was. Uh, going to go forward. But now, of course, we have the synagogue operational, we have our Torah, we have uh, all, the, all, the, uh, all the requirements that we need right. to make Jewish life flourish in the Gulf again. So we're, we're more than happy to see this work for are, us. Are you getting interest from people um, in, in specific industries or maybe um, uh, of specific backgrounds, uh, either from Israel, the United States, or other places, Jewish people to move to Bahrain? Is there because that that was the feeling we got when we were in the Gulf that there was going to be a a great interest? Maybe COVID, you know, stifled it for a while, but a great interest in Jews from different parts of the world, especially those associated with certain industries, to actually move to Bahrain. Have you have you felt that at all? I have indeed, and that's a very interesting question. Um, we've had hundreds of visitors come to Bahrain, uh, uh, and uh, Nachum, I've got to tell you that uh, there, uh, Bahrain is a very good base to set up any manufacturing activity, uh, because it's it's uh, it's a much cheaper place to do so than it is to do, to do that in in the UAE. Um, we're getting a lot of interest from Israeli companies of actually coming to Bahrain. There've been a lot of people coming to do their research work in Bahrain. 
and they're very, very excited about uh, about actually making an investment in Bahrain. But the only problem is COVID has stifled everything at the moment. Yes. And we're just waiting for that time when, uh, you know, where, uh, people are freer to travel. It's an easier thing to do to travel. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing uh, Israelis come over and invest properly. Already we've had uh, several investors come over and make investments in Bahrain. So we've seen the uh, we've seen these uh, the Mekarov people from Israel who have, who have been over here. They've had a contract here already. We've seen other people uh, come over, and they're in the process of setting up uh, manufacturing plants. Uh, it's interesting because we were told that uh, we we might see people from this part of the world, that let's say North America. Um, uh, be attracted to a place like Bahrain because in addition to the, again, to the industry and uh, different um, um, uh, business interests they may have in your region, they're much, much closer to Israel and that that would be a big attraction to them. So I'm wondering if maybe people from this side of the world just simply want to be in your neighborhood. Uh, we have seen, we have seen uh, plenty of Americans come to visit uh, Bahrain, but I have not, uh, I have not wis- uh, witnessed any um, uh, let, let me say uh, um, any, anything confirmed. Right, I haven't permanent. seen anything confirmed yeah, from, from, n- nothing, from America. Nothing permanent yet. I get that. I certainly do get that. Um, the, I know there's a website. Uh, the website is uh, gulfjewish.org, gulfjewish.org, and uh, there people will have an opportunity to uh, learn about the different countries that are um, that are in the association. Uh, also, I noticed that at GulfJewish.org, there is a, a link right there at the top of the page to the Jewish singles in the Gulf. You're serious about this effort. You're serious about <laughs> about, about Jew, Jews who are, you know, again, often visiting or, or, or spending some permanent time in your region of the world. You're serious about them hanging out with Jews and meeting other Jews and eventually marrying Jews. And this Jewish Singles in the Gulf initiative, which uh, kicked off a couple of months ago, has a pretty prominent place on the website. We're very serious, Sadakhov, very serious, and I'll tell you why. Uh, if you look at the makeup of uh, the UAE, uh, I mean, we have well over a thousand Jews there, and many of them are singles. Uh, and, and the reason being is, is that they're out there on contracts. They're all expatriates. They're right. out there on contract work. Now, it's different for the, for, the, for the Jewish community in Bahrain who are indigenous. You know, right. they're, they're uh, mainly family. Um, their, their families are with them here in Bahrain. Right. But uh, the ones who are expatriate workers are classified as expatriates or residents, and they are coming over on a contract basis. It could be that they want to mix more with the Jewish people, and right. this for them is a is a very good opportunity, especially if they're at the age when they're ready to do so. But the the beauty of it all is that we have our rabbi, Rabbi Eli Abadi, and he's the one who will be looking at matchmaking everybody. I mean, we're not going to let a computer matchmake people. Uh, it's actually, ma- and we're going to use, the, the rabbi himself is going to be the one to look at how the matchmaking should work. Well, That's very important. Many people, many people in this area know him very well. I know Rabbi Abadi for longer than either of us would care to admit, and he is certainly qualified, as he has, uh, <laughs> as he has uh, displayed in the past. He has certainly qualified many areas of Jewish leadership, and I would agree with you uh, that his opinion when it comes to uh, matchmaking would be very valuable, and it's great that he's participating 
participating in that process. Uh, GulfJewish.org is the website. If you want information about Jewish singles in the Gulf, no joke, it's there on the site. You'll see it on the homepage, GulfJewish.org. Um, let me ask you, Ibrahim, what's the best way for people to support the Jewish Cemetery Initiative? Again, you're asking people around the world to understand the importance of uh, maintaining the Jewish Cemetery in Bahrain in perpetuity. What would be the best way for people to learn more and to hopefully you know, support the cause? Um, simply to go on gulfjewish.org, uh, you'll get some information there. But give us your web, uh, give us your email address, and we will email you the information. That's the best way to do it. All right. So if they go to the website and they input and uh, and, you, and check out the contact information, they'll be able to send an email address, and you'll be able to get them all the info they need. That's that's right. Uh, That's go to gulfjewish.org. Right. Go, gulfjewish.org. There's a contact tab at the top of the page. Those of you who would like to get involved in it, it's certainly a unique project, especially those of you who are go, going to anticipate regularly traveling uh, to the Gulf. Um, you may want to get involved. Uh, go to gulfjewish.org, and you can check out uh, the initiative and get information about the initiative uh, to maintain the Jewish cemetery in perpetuity. Is is Bahrain allowing people in? What's the? I, I know what things were like a year ago because, like I said, we were in Dubai, and a lot of people at that point were traveling to places like Dubai and Bahrain. What's the status right now if someone uh, with under under the whole COVID situation wants to go into Bahrain? Uh, yes, uh, it's it's open. Uh, they can come into Bahrain. They'll just do a test at the airport, and they'll have to wait in the hotel until the, the result of that test comes out, and then they'll be allowed uh, to freely move around. Right. Um, but uh, depending on, on the result of the test, of course. Yeah, I understand that. The president of the Association of Gulf Jewish Communities is Ibrahim Dawood Nunu, all the way from Bahrain. Shalom, shalom. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and good luck with these great initiatives. Shalom, Dahum, and thank you so much for hearing me out. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Great to welcome you to the airwaves, and maybe we'll actually, I don't know, maybe we'll meet in Bahrain one of these days. JM and AM on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Who knows? Who knows? That was my conversation with Ebrahim Dawood. Nunu. The OU's Rebbitzin Dr. Adina Schmidman was on recently to talk about the incredible seal that took place regarding Nach Yomi. It was a great celebration, and she had a lot to say about hopping on and becoming part of the Nach Yomi program. Here is Rebbitzin Dr. Adina Schmidman on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Well, there have been some amazing occasions recently. <laughs> We're actually, thank God, concentrating on some fantastic occasions uh, these days. And one of them was the seum that took place this past Sunday, um, uh, a Tanakh seum, because the Nach Yomi, uh, under the leadership of, um, of Robinson, Dr. Adina Schmidman and the uh, Department of Women's Initiatives at the Orthodox Union, is concluding Nach tomorrow and starting anew with the first chapter of Yehoshua, of Joshua, this coming Thursday. So we get an opportunity to wish Mazel Tov, and at the same time, we get an opportunity to discuss just how many people are subscribed and how you can become a subscriber uh, for Nach Yomi to learn to study one chapter of uh, Nevi'im uh, per day and then look back at an amazing accomplishment. Rebetzin, Dr. Adina Schmidman uh, from the uh, Department of Women's Initiatives at the Orthodox Union. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. It is a pleasure to speak to you. 
Well, first of all, Mazel Tov, because I know that it was done Sunday to see him just for convenience factor, but this is a really big accomplishment because once tomorrow hits, you're going to have thousands of people, literally thousands of people, uh, actually having completed uh, Nach and Nach Yomi, the study of one chapter per day. It must be an amazing feeling to see this initiative complete an entire cycle. It is remarkable. The words that kept echoing on Sunday are, this changed my life. And to hear that again and again and the impact of daily learning is remarkable. Wow. Uh, and and when I say thousands, this is not exa- an exaggeration. I mean, the latest statistics I saw is that over 6,500 women are subscribed to this and that this program just continues to grow. I'm assuming because of the transition this week, when we go from the last chapter on Wednesday to the first chapter on Thursday, you are seeing a spike in quote-unquote membership. Yes, we are. I checked the numbers last week, and it they were hovering around 400, and yesterday they were climbing there over 1,200. I didn't look at it this morning, but it's incredible. All right. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that it's not only women who participate in this. I'm assuming this is open to everybody? So it is open to everybody. The history of the program is that it started 14 years ago under the leadership of Rabbi Jack Abramowitz, who introduced this program to the OU. What we introduced this past cycle is women educators Mm. who are holding the mic safer by safer and sharing their words, their passion, their energy around Nachyomi. We named the program Torah Imecha Nachyomi. And what's very poignant is that this last cycle was named for a woman who sadly did not have any children. Malka Esther Bas Yosef, a name that now resonates in the ears and off the lips of so many, having heard it 742 (laughs) times. And what a legacy that she now has with all this learning that's been done in her memory and her schus. Pretty amazing. Talking about the Torah Timachanach Yomi program, cycle number one uh, for the women and the women presenters uh, will conclude on Wednesday. Their big Siyum celebration took place this past Sunday. And as we just said, uh, and I'll give the address how people could sign up, but as we just indicated, uh, Robinson, Dr. Adina Schmidman has confirmed that, as you would imagine, uh, the numbers are spiking this week, people who are uh, taking on the Nachyomi program. Uh, now, this is this is interesting because some of the background information we've gotten is just how diverse the crowd is. I mean, your presenters are speaking to young women in their teens, older women in their 90s, and everybody in between. Uh, small cities, large cities, everywhere you can imagine around the world. I mean, this is really a diverse group coming together to do this. It's it's something that's truly amazing, and we saw that on Sunday. There was no one look. Uh, the room was just uh, age-wise, hashkafa, uh, educational. The whole edu- I was just going to say that right. educational background. Just, it's so refreshing to see every one of these women sitting in the same classroom and learning together and being able to be part of this incredible community of learners. All right, now that we now it's time to do the pitch. How many minutes? A, okay. How many minutes a day does someone have to uh, have to set aside for this? And once they have set aside that number of minutes per day, how does it change their day? Great question. Twelve to fifteen minutes, and 
by the way, on the settings, you can speed it up or slow it down. <laughs> so you can really make it your own. In terms of impact of day, it frames your day. It gives direction to the day. It makes you part of the trajectory of our history. Learning these pruck in, in sequence, one by one by one, has an exponential impact. It's not, it's not just learning, and it, it, it takes the learning to a new level. And it's an opportunity for everybody to really change their day, to, uh, uh, to give them something meaningful to, to start their day if they want to start with it or end their day if they want to end with it. Uh, so there's not enough that can, can be said about this. There's just, uh, there's just so many reasons why people should pick up the daily study of anything. Nachyomi is a, uh, a wonderful idea and an a- amazing opportunity for both men and women around the world. The Women's Torah Timecha Nachyomi program begins again this coming Wednesday. Was it difficult to get women around the world to be educators of Nachyomi? Are you having any trouble finding presenters? No. We, there are, there's such talent out there, and to be able to tap that talent, to obviously have some marquee names, names that people recognize, but also it's such a unique opportunity to afford women who have not had the opportunity to hold the mic and share their Torah widely to give them that opportunity, that platform. So it's very exciting. The women invest a tremendous amount of energy researching, preparing, recording, but they're doing it with such joy and excitement. All right. How does one sign up? Listen carefully, everybody. If you want to be part of this starting on Thursday when Joshua 1, Perek Aleph of Yehoshua, will be studied in the uh, Torah Timecha Nachyomi program, here's what you do. You go to ou.org slash women slash nach, ou.org slash women, W-O-M-E-N slash nach, N-A-C-H. That is the sign up, ou.org slash women slash Nach is your opportunity to sign up and be part of this uh, historic um, uh, initiative. Now, um, Reverend and Dr. Adina Schmidman is with us. Now, you said to me off the and now I got I got from the OU um, a tremendous uh, collection of reactions to the Nach Torati Mecha Nach Yomi program, and it's amazing what people are writing via email and through text to you and others. Uh, about this program. But you said there was a specific story you wanted to mention this morning on the air. So I, I, I want to highlight one story. There's so many stories. Oh, it's unbelievable. We are. It's unbelievable. You have, you, un- by, by the way, you have someone here who used to be a neighbor on the Lower East Side of Manhattan who writes the most heartwarming letters. So it really hit home when I saw that one. It's just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. A woman who emigrated from Russia who never had a day school education. A woman from South Africa never had a day school education. A 95-year-old woman who every day prepares and writes notes. But the story I wanted to share with you is a, is a story that I think will resonate for you. It was a woman approached me on Sunday and said, I, I'm so excited. I, I did have a day school education. It, and this this really was such a positive presentation and such a positive experience. I can't say that my schooling was so positive. I tried to I tried to find out where she grew up. She didn't want to share. But I said to her, how did you hear about the program? And she said, I heard you talk about it with Nachum Siegel oh, wow. two years ago. Oh, wow. And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to share that with him. I'm speaking with him on Tuesday. 
look at the impact that it. So I, I, I credit you for talking about it and for talking it up and for sharing it. It's it's and, and it's spreading like wildfire. And I am just so grateful that we have the opportunity to be able to do this through the OU, through an organization that supports Torah, that is uh, excited about women learning and women's Torah development, engaging, inspiring, and Baruch Hashem. It's a, a phenomenal program. Pretty amazing. Torati Mechanach Yomi program. You could be the next person to tell Rebetzin Dr. Adina Schmidman that you joined because you heard about it here on JM and the AM. All you got to do is go to ou.org slash women slash nach. Again, that's ou.org slash women slash N-A-C-H. Now, the Women's Initiative Department, you and I joked before we got on the air that uh, <laughs> that we you know it's called initiative as if there's one initiative, but the reality is that in addition to Torah scholarship, uh, there's so many things that you're involved with. Anything specific you want to mention to this audience today that's outside of the uh, Nachiomi program? I'll highlight two programs that we're running. Sure. One is a speaker, an advanced speaker course, which is a very exciting opportunity to take women who are very talented. Some of our Nachiomi teachers participated in this la- the last time we ran it. And this is an opportunity for this cohort to take their speaking skills to the next level. So that's a very exciting program that is running right now. The other program I want to highlight is the Challenge Grant 2022. So we spoke several years back, it goes back actually when the department started, where we reached out to the community to hear their ideas and their initiatives that that they wanted to run. And we helped support that financially and had 16 pilot programs running around the country this goes back to 2017, 2018. So we're we're doing it again at a time where we really need an infusion of energy and passion and excitement post, or please God, post-COVID. We are again saying to the communities, what do you need? How can we be helpful to you to help you get your programs launched? Right. And and bring your women back, and please, God, restart, re-energize, refresh with a new excitement. So we are looking for applications. We're excited about it. Uh, the Please go to ou.org slash women slash CG, Challenge Grant, CG22. And we hope to not only help fund... 10 programs at $3,600, but also to share those programs so that other schools can be inspired by them and find resources within their communities so that they, too, can use these ideas to help propel programming forward. And if there's one thing we need, it's certainly a uh, a, a boost in uh, not, not just school attendance, but a, a more of an enthusiastic um, uh, approach to a synagogue life coming out of this pandemic, please God, as you said. Any information you need, folks, it's uh, ou.org slash women slash CG22. Again, that's ou.org slash women slash CG22 for information about the challenge grant. Rebbitz and Dr. Adina Schmidman and I and so many others encourage you 
and any women and men, but as you heard that this program is uh, is uh, aimed for women and is uh, delivered each day uh, by women, the Torah Timach Nachiomi program, encourage you to sign up and be part of this. Yehoshua Perak Aleph, Joshua, the first chapter starts on Thursday, two days from now. Here's your opportunity to sign up, ou.org slash women slash nach, ou.org slash women slash na. C-H. And Robertson, Dr. Adina Schmidman, I hope a lot of people out there uh, take our advice and, and take your initiative uh, to and follow your initiative to join in and be part of this. And hopefully they'll be part of the next big CM celebration. I hope so. Please, God, it should be in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, Amen. in 2024. Wow. So we're not, very excited. Pe- people, it's two years. Yeah, people don't, even need to dedi- years. people don't even need to dedicate five or ten years to this. They could dedicate two no. years and get it done. Two um, years, two years, 742 prakim. Everybody keep that in mind. Uh, and I thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's always nice to speak, and uh, we're really excited about the program. So thank you so much for the opportunity. A pleasure. It's Dr. Adina Schmidman. Again, everybody, ou.org slash women slash nach. ou.org slash women slash n-a-c-h. More coming up at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Herbertson Dr. Adina Schmidman. NCSY's Sally Hess was with us recently to discuss a very interesting project regarding anti-Semitism that they've undertaken in the southern NCSY region. My conversation with Sally Hess is next on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. JM and the AM as we continue on this uh, Tuesday morning. And um, some of you have seen a unique event, and this is certainly a unique event, uh, that's going on down uh, in Florida. It's a uh, Hate Ends Now tour, addressing modern-day hate through the lens of the Holocaust, a traveling exhibit challenging participants to take a stand against hate through an interactive Holocaust experience. Southern NCSY's Hate Ends Now is an immersive 360-degree exhibition that allows participants to actually board a cattle car, a replica of the ones used during the World War II transport of Jews and other targeted groups to concentration camps, and take a journey back in time. Sally Hess is with us live via telephone. Not only is he Chief Development Officer for Southern NCSY, he's actually on his way to the... uh, to the program in Bal Harbor that's taking place today uh, under the uh, umbrella of Hate Ends Now. Sally, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. I have to assume that the the cattle car is, I mean, when we talk about immersive and we talk about, uh, you know, a, a, a practical piece of an exhibit, I would imagine that this is a really, really important component uh, to the to the mission that NCSY in the South is now on uh, to display hate ends now. Tell me about that one piece of this exhibit. So it's incredible. We set out, we partnered with Shadowlight, their nonprofit out of Toronto, who created this incredible exhibit out of a cattle car replica. It's an immersive 360-degree educational experience that has two goals. One is to educate the public, Teens, obviously, everyone knows NCSY is in the business of educating and inspiring teens. To educate teens, adults, about the atrocities of the Holocaust, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is empowering everybody to take a stand against anti-Semitism now. There's never been a more important time to stand up against anti-Semitism and hate and the impact that we're already making. We started December 1st. The impact that we see on everyone's face as they leave this cattle car 
is truly incredible. It's remarkable how many people come out saying either I had no idea or I'm going to take a stand now against anti-Semitism. So, so this might be overstating it but or, or stating the obvious, but... The, the cattle car is the exhibit, meaning that with all the, the speeches, the direction, the, the lectures, the, the guides uh, and, and their words, whoever. I mean, that that is 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 nothing compared to the experience of actually walking in and, and seeing it and being part of it and imagining that one, you know, if they were born, you know, a generation or two earlier uh, or in a, a different place on this globe could actually have been in a real one. Oh, yeah. We, I'll just take you through yesterday in Bell Harbor. We had uh, two types of people come yesterday. One, someone who really had no idea about what happened during the Holocaust, and they enter this cattle car. We close the door. We start this presentation. And we even offered them a chair, and they said no to the chair. They said, I bet you, way back when in the Holocaust, nobody was offered a chair. So I'm going to stand up throughout this as well. Oh, and we had other visitors come who saw the cattle car. It's right in the center of town, so you can see it when you're walking to the restaurants and the hotels. This is a Holocaust survivor. We had no idea. <gasps> but he, he walked over to the cattle car, and he rolled up his sleeve, and he says, you know, I've been in one of these before. And initially, he didn't want to walk in. It was a little too emotional for him. But, you know, he ended up walking up the stairs and participating. He said this is the most impactful educational tool, not only for teens, but for adults. It was, I mean, for, for us to hear that is, uh, is truly amazing. We know we're on the right track here. Uh, that's an understatement. And just the, the eerie feeling I just got, as I'm sure the listeners did as well, as you described that story, somebody who was actually in a cattle car now visiting your exhibit of the cattle car. Now, uh, Solly, and Solly Hess is with us, Southern NCSY's Director of Development. Today's program is also in Bal Harbor, you mentioned? Yeah, so today is the third of three days in Bell Harbor. I do want to thank Mayor Gabe Groisman and the Bell Harbor community for hosting us. We are traveling throughout South Florida. We're going to be heading up to Tallahassee, Orlando, and up to South and North Carolina, and really, God willing, traveling throughout the country. Pretty amazing. What is the significance of this exhibit, which is happening this week uh, down in Florida, happening in the aftermath of what we saw happen this past Shabbos in Texas. I mean, as much as as educational and as important as this program is, and you've described the Hate Ends Now tour really well about why it's so vital uh, for people to be part of it, it must have a completely completely refreshed perspective now that this happened uh, down at the congregation in Texas this past Shabbos. Absolutely. When we saw the events unfold, and thank God everybody is alive and well, it just encouraged us to do this more, to replicate it, to scale it. Again, it's not only about educating people on what happened in the past, it's about empowering them. What are you going to do? Make sure this past Shabbos doesn't happen anymore. Make sure there is not a next event like that. This is how you do it, through immersive experiences like this. You teach people what happened so they don't do it again and really empowering them to take a stand. 100%. And boy, oh boy, if you don't remember the past, and it's very difficult to deal with the present and the future. Southern NCSY Hate Ends Now is an immersive 360-degree exhibition that allows participants to actually board a cattle car, a replica of the ones used during World War II to transport Jews to concentration camps and take a journey 
back in time. Now, just to explain how this is happening, we know it's in Florida now, but you also said it's going to go to a variety of places. The Hate Ends Now tour, if you will, or exhibit, what type of schedule are they on? So we typically uh, stop in a community or a school for two to three days. Uh, Of course, that can be expanded depending on how many participants would like to join. Uh, We go from town to town. We're going throughout the state of Florida. We'll be in Orlando uh, from February 15th through the end of the month, and we head to South and North Carolina before circling back to Miami. Uh, And we really welcome anyone who would like to participate or host this exhibit uh, to contact us, and we will be there. Our mission is to get this in front of as many people as possible. I mean, does that include the whole country? I know you're obviously, based on what you just described, you're concentrating on the southern region. Does that include anybody who's listening now, if they want to get in touch and try their best to get the exhibit to their community? Anybody and everybody. Uh, Thank goodness we have a wide network with our brothers and sisters and NCSY throughout the country. So, yes, please, anyone, wherever you are, please reach out to us, and we will get the cattle car exhibit to you. And uh, I, I know you touched on this earlier, but just one more time because I think it's so vital. Um, uh, you mentioned NCSYs, obviously, educating youth, always touching youth in a uh, in a positive manner when it comes to our tradition and heritage. Uh, j- just again, tell us the reaction that the young people have had. We know, you know, when a survivor gets <laughs> walks into that cattle car, obviously they're going to have a unique perspective. Uh, but it must be heartwarming for you to see teenagers and young people in general and have all of this history and all of this uh, Jewishness resonate with them uh, when they when they uh, when they uh, uh, allow themselves to become part of this immersive experience. So I've been with NCSY, I started in 2007. And one of the things that we're always trying to combat when we're dealing with teens is the distractions that they face, namely their phones. So our biggest concern here was when these teens and these students would walk into the cattle car, we'd shut the doors, and the presentation would play. What if they're on their phones the whole time? Wouldn't that just be kind of the purpose here? Wouldn't that take away from this experience? I have to tell you, aside from the teens walking out, their mouths wide open, tears are streaming down their face, they're really impacted by this meaningful experience. When I'm inside with these students, there's no phones. Their heads are on a swivel. They're looking at the entire presentation. They're pointing. They're, they're, they're talking to each other about what they're seeing against the walls, the projections against the walls. I mean, it's so, so meaningful to see these teens so locked into this experience. Uh, really, again, it's been, it's been a home run for us in terms of education for these teens. When they walk out, They stick their finger on a little uh, stamp pad, and they leave their mark literally on a little canvas, and they write down a little message of what they're going to do to stand up against anti-Semitism and end hate. Uh, Really beautiful to see, and it's been so meaningful for our teens, and we can't wait for for many, many more to experience it. Yeah, no question about it. And as I said in light of the uh, recent news, boy, is it an important reminder about how Jews are targeted, no matter what their background is, no matter what their affiliation is, no matter what their attitudes may be, and it's a really important message uh, to impart on our youth. Tour description, schedule, if you want to host the exhibit at your institution, etc., go to the website, hateendsnow.org, hateendsnow.org. This is all being done by our friends at NCSY. Solly Hess is Chief Development Officer for Southern NCSY, and they have spearheaded this program, this traveling exhibit, addressing modern-day hate through the lens of the Holocaust. Sally Kalakavod, best regards everybody down there, and continued success with the exhibit. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. A pleasure. There he is, Sally Hess, Southern NCSY. We say Kalakavod to you, to say the least. What a uh, unique, certainly unique educational opportunity.
and uh, an unbelievable program that no doubt is uh, affecting people in a positive manner, no matter what their background, no matter what their age. More coming up Tuesday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Sally Hess. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.